This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Why haven't you got your own YouTube channel? I don't see the point in it. That's what you're for. That's why you, you like need that. to make a living, don't you? I don't need to make a living. Everyone's out. jumped on it over the years. Do you years. know what, though? I don't need to make a living out of other people's jobs. If I can't make a living out of my own job, I don't need, certainly don't need to make a living out of somebody else's job. Fair play. Fair play. Fair play. Financial fair play. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me to help me keep awake from my jet lag, Mr. Chris Birds and Mr. Phil Shaw. Welcome. Hello. 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 How are you, gentlemen? I'm all right. Not too bad. Yeah, good. Positive. Positive. Uh, funny you say that, Phil, because I, I had a viewer, I forgot if they sent me a email or a message, and they said, uh, that guy you have on from Northern Ireland, can you tell him to get some happy pills? It's, it's just it's just our general demeanour. That's us. <laughs> our, our hospital waiting lists are so long that that's just our our happiness. <laughs> you, you told me you told me you've taken action though. And you did you buy a book at the airport or something you were talking about? Yeah, it was the the, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. But um, <laughs> when I, whenever you read through it, you you apply to Villa quite a lot. When you realise that maybe you've been caring about things too much and. <laughs> not, not as he puts it, not placing your fucks in the right pile or the right place. Like it. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we should have a segment. Uh, what's, sorry, what's the book called again? Uh, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Right, yeah, maybe we will uh, we'll, we'll work on that. <laughs> there's definitely a segment to be had from that. Oh, there's definitely a segment, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll do one in this show. Uh, maybe we'll identify what one thing that we shouldn't give a fuck about. Yeah. There's, well, there's a long list. Wait. <laughs> well, maybe three things then, but meditate on that. I'll, we'll bring that up when we are talking about the Spurs game because uh, there's something that it's going to be hard not to uh, give fucks about. Uh, how are you, Mr. Bird? What's going, been going on in you, your universe? You've come back from uh, a meeting with the great overlord, uh, Mr. Christian Perslow, have you not? I have this evening, yeah. Insightful as always. Clearly very much in charge, shall we say, as, as you've said before. Very much yeah, he is yeah. the boss and likes everyone to know that. Was he looking at his watch and shutting people down? Subtly this time, not so obviously as usual, but subtly. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get uh, we'll get some of his input. He, he, uh, he was, he the was there for an hour's questioning and not a minute more. All <laughs> oh, right. Well, that's pretty good for him, an hour. I thought, I thought it'd be a half an hour job. Uh, no. Nah. 
that he normally affords the uh, the trust. Right, anyway, let's uh, kick on with the show. Uh, in this show, we will be, uh, well, Chris will uh, tell us exactly what happened uh, in the Villa Week, in a Villa Minute. So we'll look at three points, which include uh, our uh, Carabao Cup co-finalists are getting into a spot of bother. Uh, we'll also obviously look at the uh, Spurs game and uh, maybe uh, give a couple of indications of what we don't give a fuck about uh, before breaking down uh, how we're feeling uh, about the season ahead as we all, always do at the end before the we show. have a breakdown before we have a breakdown <laughs> and also uh, I'm going to fire out the cushion competition which I promised in a podcast I forgot about it in the last one that I said uh, I would offer up if Villa beat Leicester in the semi-final and by the way this cushion is probably the best thing ever that's connected I mean th- this is the this is the cushionist cushion that ever cushioned Something like that. Something like that. This is like Champions League level cushioning. Oh, it, it is. It is for for sure. It's uh, the, it's like it has a velvet feel, soft to the touch. It's uh, it's fantastic. This show is not a, sh- a show about soft furnishing, so we uh, better crack. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Am I in the wrong place? <laughs> <laughs> I think you I think you've walked uh, into the wrong uh, studio. Is this not the Ikea, the Ikea podcast? <laughs> this is, I mean, it's a virtual studio. But, <laughs> this is the uh, Leave It to Lee Longlands. <laughs> anyway, Phil, can you kick this guy out of the uh, virtual studio, please? <laughs> right, uh, what comes up first? Is it the Villa Newscap or the Villa Week in a Villa Minute? Newscap. Right, what, so what's new in the Villa universe since last we spoke? Well, I managed out of thin air to, uh, we, we did a did competition for one pair of tickets. We, we've been doing a Carabao Cup ticket competition since the uh, Wolves game. Uh, Carabao, through their agency, has uh, been very uh, generous. And uh, out of the blue after, I thought that was it, the you know final pair for the final. And then out of nowhere, they said, how, how would you like to uh, get involved with giving 20 pairs out? So that's 20 pairs of tickets that We'll go directly through moms to villa fans and uh, not to corporates and sponsors and you know that kind of uh, malarkey so you would have probably heard by this time uh, whether you've won uh, it was a poem competition actually phil shaw's poem was uh, exceptional just inspiration can you remember it off the top of your head phil, you should read this uh, you should read it it's not off the top of my head, but I'll, I'll find it. Uh, here we go. Right. Oh, ready? Oh, oh, here we go. Shh, silence, please. Silence. Best Shakespearean. Uh, Villa were claret. City were blue. Villa has history. City want one too. Villa care about winning. City are blasé. Only one of us have got done by financial fair play. Oh, it's oh, I like it. <laughs> it's beautiful. Well, maybe you've won by the time uh, this is out. Uh, although it says UK, uh, hopefully they mean UK, Northern Ireland, because sometimes it, people are funny about that, aren't they? Uh, well, wouldn't know what you're talking about over here. <laughs> <laughs> In other news this week, Villa Park, the Temple of Football, has been elected to host uh, the upcoming England game in June against Romania. Will you be going, uh, Mr. Bird? I will. I've actually I've seen Romania play, but it was against France, so uh, maybe I should pop along. It'd be, I mean, it would be a novelty of uh, watching England from the whole ten, for example. I did that before, actually. I saw, I saw Hugo Ekiog score in front of the whole in for England. That was quite cool. Ah, yes, yeah. it was Sven's first game against Spain. Try getting right, an, yeah. try getting an England team to thump Spain three in this day and age. <laughs> David James was in goal. Ooh. Uh, in sour, more sour in- international villa news, uh, I saw, uh, well, Chris, actually, uh, I, I was waking up from my uh, jet lag. I've just been uh, to LA and uh, while I was there on a, on a holiday, uh, I actually recorded a few, a couple of podcasts actually with uh, Bob and Danny out there, two villains uh, in LA. So look out for them. I think I'll put a, a a long, longer versions out as uh, Mom's Patreon uh, extra podcast, but I'll get them up uh, in the next few days. Both uh, excellent hospitality, uh, m- massive fans of the show as well, and all round good guys. But anyway, w- when uh, I was just uh, speaking to Chris uh, earlier today, he told me about uh, the Ghanaian Lions that receiving like racist DMs, pretty much saying they shouldn't be following the team. Am I paraphrasing? Have you actually seen these? Uh... Yeah. I haven't seen. I haven't seen the messages themselves. I've, I've sort of said to them to you know screenshot them and put them out there. Yeah, I, sent, I mean, I've sent them a private message telling them uh, exactly what to do. 
Yeah. Uh, but he's been, you know, saying that he, people have been telling him to shut down his account and they shouldn't be following Villa because of where they are and uh, the colour of their skin, which is, you know... Is, I mean, once upon a time, as uh, older villains will know, uh, Villa used to sing from the terraces, Villa are white, as Everton used to do. And, uh, you know, those days are a long, long time ago. And uh, it's just ridiculous that some you know, group of villains that have actually brought such a positive light, um, albeit at this moment only on social media, but their videos, uh, you know, are yeah, brilliant, really mm-hmm. good in terms of the obsession that seems to exist before... Well, in the, in the running up to the game, where they actually have a kind of parade and march before the game, yeah, is brilliant. Is uh, you know something that's uh, match game missing at Villa Park. Yeah, so uh, it's an embarrassment, and there's fucking idiots out there who uh, think that uh, trolling them on Twitter is a is a good thing to do. Yeah, it's it's something that Christian Perslow actually mentioned um, this evening in terms of, and this is you know behaviour in the stadium as well. That there's, yeah. he's just he's got a very hard line zero tolerance on. Racism and that and on all that behaviour. Yeah, he's got a, a hard line zero tolerance on pretty much any misbehaviour in the stadium. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as he as he said to me in the the fan consultation group meeting that you know they, he admits that they actually side on the side of harshness when it comes to uh, this kind of thing. Yeah, going to Wembley, uh, tickets left for Wembley. Have I mean by the time this podcast comes out, I'd imagine it would be sold out, would it not? Yeah, I, I would imagine it will get to five just about. So I'd imagine they'll have spaced it out. In such a way but luckily i got i got mine last week uh, one of the best chances of uh, if you've entered the uh it's almost like the wembley ticket ballot the uh the mom's competition then good luck uh and hopefully uh you'd have got a ticket through or just that. get one in the man city enders they don't seem to be very bothered yep. <laughs> yep there's that option i mean i couldn't believe it that well, that's gone to general sale yep and uh season ticket holders uh can bring up t- can buy two additional tickets as well Basically, if you've ever set foot in Manchester or know one of the words to Blue Moon, they'll give you a ticket. <laughs> or if you ever brought an Oasis song, uh, you've probably al- allowed a ticket as well. Uh, whatever news, uh, owners issue another 17 million shares. Where, where did that come from? That came from uh, Company's House, David. Well, it was the first I've heard. So okay, like yeah, that was that was um, yeah earlier in the week. Was it the end of last week? They obviously pumped in another injection of shares, so that's good to know they're still engaged. Where did it come from? Where did it go? We'll find out one day. Indeed, because <laughs> I've uh, haven't been up to speed. I was just wondering if you knew uh, if what it was for. Uh, you know, I know there's yeah, been another between the lines, of, so um, to speak. Yeah, I think there's been another load of capital investment in terms of the Bodymore Heath redevelopment. I know they are obviously expanding. The training facilities they're building, like a high class performance center, aren't they? Yeah, to, to go on, probably to, related to, yeah, to that. To go on top of the already new facilities with the new little mini stadium and stuff like that. Yeah, because when they when they first came to town, the first thing they did was uh, push a chunk of cash uh, the academy's way. That seems to be a huge priority. They've said that is the integral part of the long term vision for the yeah. club is the academy and making sure that the academy fires properly, which they openly acknowledge hasn't happened in. Yeah, well, recent it, past. I'm sure we've spoken about this previously. Is there's no real point to an academy if all you're doing is uh, churning out players to play in uh, to send up the Irish League or Scottish Ooh. League? No disrespect, of course. There's massive disrespect there, but uh. <laughs> no. Just, have, you, have you ever seen the Irish League? It's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and also the uh, the two lower tiers in and, and non-league in the English league. Because if you follow the uh, the careers of most of the players that have left the academy in the last, let's say, ten years. Uh, there's not many, uh, you know, pulling up trees in in the the top tiers. Bar Mark Albright in recent years, nothing. Yeah, Grealish, and that's about it. So you wonder what is the purpose? I mean, what what did because Perslow mentioned something about that, didn't he? Uh, about your Callum O'Hares, etc. Yeah, so essentially, the, the, the sort of the stance I think they'll take moving forward is that you can't be having sort of 22-year-olds playing in the under-23s, you know, if they haven't made the grade by a, a, a determined age bracket... Yeah, like 20-ish, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's and which I think is true, to be fair. You know, some players develop later, but you can bring them in from elsewhere, I think. But in terms of your academy working as an entity, you want that to be the best sort of 16 to 18, 19-year-olds. But then, but at that point, they need to break into the first team. So if they get into yeah. that age, then you've got to loan them out. Callum O'Hare, I believe, is 21, 22 maybe now, apparently. Yeah. So he's quite late in his development. And you've got, you know, you've got people like Keenan Davis playing in the reserves. You know, you can't have these guys, you know, albeit have 
juniors propped up by a senior player who needs a bit of game time perhaps but generally I think they know that they've had to overhaul the way that you know the internal structure of the academy and how they bring players through I know the 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 Louis Barry signing was a huge statement he's widely regarded as one of the top prospects in the whole of Europe as a young player we know when the when the opportunities came to get him I think they said well we, we have to go and get him to be able to justify to sort yeah. of you know young very young players and their families okay that's the place for us to go which they've they've fallen behind when in reality the competition is rife yeah. yeah and villa should be dominant in the middle of england perslow basically said anything north of watford south of manchester villa should wipe the floor there yeah i mean you only have to look back to not that long ago when we actually won the the equivalent of the champions league uh, when when it was labeled the next gen yep and we you know we were there all skipping thinking oh the future's bright the future's bright and uh, nothing happened you know Grealish was kind of in and out of that team because he was pretty young at that time yeah but uh, everybody else is playing in the Irish league I mean I mean, I mean ultimately <laughs> you know you don't as much as it's nice to win things I mean I I, I went to see the uh, 23s when they won the I think it was the Premier League Cup a couple of seasons ago at Leicester but winning trophies at that level doesn't mean fuck all because you, you ultimately judge your academy by well how many people graduate into the first team yeah but it but if you're winning European competitions you, you think well we've missed that release two or three that are going to make the grade the upshot is if you're uh, if you're good enough you're old enough I mean you only have to look at somebody we mentioned on the three points uh, I think a, a year or so ago uh, Erling Haaland who uh, scored two goals today for Dortmund and I think he's on 39 goals he scored six hat tricks seven goals sorry 11 goals in seven league games I think well he's gone to Dortmund and he's seriously hit the ground really hasn't he yeah and then we were scoring goals for fun is it Salzburg wasn't it yeah 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 he scored 12 goals in seven games in the Champions League I mean I think he was the first player to score in first teenager to score in five consecutive Champions League games and he's only 19 so you know there's the uh the benchmark he's got attitude as well yeah, he looks he's, a player. he's like a young, I don't know, he's like Costa. He's just got that no respect for the opposition at all. Just get it, smash it in, next. Yeah, it's great. And he's it. a beast. Yeah. yeah. And and you look at like Jaden Sancho, the same, you know, he's he's pulling up trees over there. You know, a young English player, wasn't going to get the opportunities he, he felt he deserved in England, went over there and he's killed it. Yeah. And now ultimately he will come back to England, I'm sure, in the summer. But his his transfer value now for an English club to buy him back it's going to be yeah. astronomical. Right, Chris, carry on talking. It's a Villa week and a Villa minutes. Villa returned from their mid-season break to entertain Champions League finalist Spurs. Horrific weather in the form of Storm Dennis shut Winter Station and flood disruption around Villa Park, but the game went ahead. Mings was out with a man flu and tonsillitis. Drinkwater returned to the starting lineup. Villa started brightly and got a well-deserved break when Alderweireld put through his own net after great work from Al Ghazi. Louise misses a guilt-edged chance for 2-0 as Villa squander two great chances. A lucky break gives Spurs a goal from a corner, superbly taken by Alderweireld. VAR takes centre stage as Engels gives away a penalty, which is saved by Reina. Son reacts to the penalty and prods home for 2-1. Engels redeems himself, heading home a Grealish corner. Spurs put on the pressure and Reina is forced into a string of saves. Son misses two huge chances, but a long punt up the field with the last kick of the game. is missed by Engels. Son runs on, races clear and finishes to win the game 3-2, which is a cruel end to the game for Villa in a game that they deserve to get a draw from. Another opportunity missed. Next stop, Southampton. Anything else to add? We're getting relegated. Good. <laughs> uh, right, before we talk about that game in full, let's have a quick three points. Uh, let's step quickly out of the Villa-verse. Uh, point number one are esteemed Carabao Cup final opponents, Manchester City, have been hit by what seems to be a pretty fierce statement of intent ban from UEFA. They will not be playing in the Champions League for the next two seasons at this point before appeal. And they've also been hit by a 30 million fine as well. How how do you view that, Phil? Do you think that's harsh or do you think it's, I mean, they've been doing all kinds of uh, cooking the books. I mean, they've been using microwaves, uh, (laughs) heat intensive furnace, nuclear power stations to cook those books. The thing about it is the the one that the bit about it that gets me is the sponsorship by Eddie had. So, oh yeah. It's like, I mean, we can probably talk about Villa selling the stadium to themselves, you know, all day wrong. It's it's not great, but it, it happened. So listeners understand, Villa sold the stadium back to them at, a, at let's say, a fair reflection on the value. Yeah. I think it was like 59 million, like Derby, for example. They 
valued their stadium, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, at like 80 million. Yeah, so Shef- Sheffield as well. Yeah, so in terms of the stadium buybacks, it's the actual value you value it at because that's where you'd start creative accounting when you overvalue it. But anyway, sorry, carry on. I mean, who puts the checks on Etihad? I mean, it's like, right, I own Etihad. I want to sponsor my own team that I also own. Oh, a, f- a fair price for that will be 200 million a season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the, that's where it comes down to. That's what... Exactly, I mean, I, it's I, overvaluation I, again. Yeah, I know a City fan and like he, I went to school with him. He's been a City fan for years, even when they were right down as low as they could go. And yeah. you know, like he's just going to take it in the chin. He's just going to say, well, when you were doing it, yeah, no, exactly. Mm-hmm. So and I they were putting the money attitude. through Eti, Eti, Eti Salat as well, weren't they? And all these companies that are all under the sovereign wealth banner of the yeah. Sheikh. And I know there were a lot of um, sort of dodgy emails that did the rounds. There was the, obviously the Der Spiegel article that came out. Yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Which was which was fascinating read. And there's been stuff that followed on since that came out on the day. Um, so it will be really interesting to see, you know, where you wafer end up sitting on the on the scale of um sort of the sanctions you know um you know christian perslow had mentioned there's about 15 levels of sanctions that can be sort of um put against city you know on a sort of like a sliding scale and uefa yeah. have gone right in at the highest and most unprecedented level so whether they're really trying to make an example of city or whether there's other clubs in europe trying to like keep the status quo your juventuses barca's reals united etc this world going now nah, fuck you man city trying to buy yeah. your way into the club which unfortunately is, is realistically the only way you can do it now it will be interesting to see i happen to think that i think they will still get sanctioned but it will get reduced and it'll probably take ages for this stuff to come through now. They'll just wrap it up in so much legal work. Yeah. It'll take years to, to, to finalise. I mean, of course, they've got the money to uh, fund, let's say, a pretty decent appeal. So uh, it, it probably will drag on a bit. And hopefully we'll beat them in the final just to... Uh... I'm sure there'll be some songs aimed at this uh, this ban if we do beat them. Point number two, uh, who, who ate all the pies indeed? Uh, Premier League refs, Andy Maidley and... David Coote failed their fitness test to become members of the uh, UEFA elite list of refs. Chris, do you know know a little bit more about this, don't you? Yeah, they they were meant to go to the training camp in Mallorca. It's for the the referees chief. You know, obviously Mike Riley will will put forward, you know, his recommendations for sort of the elite list. You know, obviously every country in Europe puts forward their top refs. And uh, obviously the guys who Mike Riley put forward weren't up to... uh, up to scratch, which uh, is no surprise from any uh, considering Mike fan. Riley's shit at the best of times. So yeah, and it was no no surprise from any fan that follows the uh, English Premier League or Championship and below about the standard of the refs. I mean, I, I, you know, I the, you know VAR obviously gets a hammering, and I I've always said there's a place for VAR because uh, the human element does fuck up the game, and you know VAR is just it's just a computer system that humans use, and it's not. Physical tests that these referees need. It's mental tests because you know the the main problem is a referee's fucking mental state, and especially those guys that sit in the booth. I mean, we're going to talk about the uh, the Spurs game, but uh, you know the Chelsea game. I thought it was quite funny when Chelsea got those two goals chalked off by VAR, and and I think that it's understandable. I mean, the main complaint is consistency, and and that's where the human. Uh, error and the protocol of how VAR is used comes into play. But what you do see is VAR is frustrating crowds and when you disallow two goals at uh, at somewhere like Stamford Bridge, it's, uh, it's not going to really uh, create a decent uh, atmosphere for officials, is it? No, no. It, it certainly sort of seems that um, the technology is clearly here to stay and I, I don't mind that. It's not the technology, it's the sort of interpretation of the rules. And I think there will and definitely be changes. Yeah. yeah, an application, things like, you know, is there clear daylight? Is there clear and obvious error? It's We've said it numerous times, but they, they really need to take a leaf out of rugby's book because when it, it comes to the use of the video referee, rugby have just nailed it. Yeah, Phil, any, anything to add to that? Yeah, I just I just wonder. I mean, I look at the, the Giroud goal that was ruled out especially. If you're a striker yeah. and you're, you're playing on the shoulder of the defender, I mean, I, I can't see, uh, somebody mentioned it, as a striker, do you now glance down at your own feet as well before you make that dart, before you make that run? I mean, is that what yeah. they're going to have to do? Because his shoulders were level and it's only natural, right? I'm, I'm level with this guy, headed in, let's go. And all of a sudden, oh, your foot was across. I mean, to, to be fair on that one, when I looked at it straight away, I thought that's offside. 
side. So yeah, because it's a foot, and the foot. I mean, they talk about any part oh, yeah, of the body oh. that can be used to score, and a foot is it's up there. It's number one on the list. Yeah, I mean, on on this season, on the decisions that have been given. I mean, the Wesley heel, um, the Wolves offside. You know, this yeah, week as it, well. When it's, it's armpits it's, and hips and stuff, that's when it becomes a bit tenuous. I think. Yeah, it's just not clear and obvious, is it? It's not if there's not clear yeah. daylight, they're not offside. Uh, point number three: uh, the coronavirus uh, enters the world of football. Yes, Chris Bird has it. So if you're on the whole tent against Spurs, you need Sorry. to get it checked out. <laughs> you need to get yourself checked. Out. We're locking it. We're going to lock everybody in the whole suite. You're all. We're all in the incubation period. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was only joking. No. But no, seriously, it is uh, entered the uh, the universe of football as Manchester United uh, new signing Odion Aguilaro has been banned from the training ground uh, after his arrival from China. Is that precautionary? I mean, I, I, I believe you know so. Yeah, obviously he was he was on loan from um, Shanghai. Is it racism? I, is it racism or is it just no? Precautionary? I, I think what they did was yeah, they they basically took the team away, didn't they, for warm weather training, and he was obviously just kept kept away for a little while. Yeah. Just, just for the sake of the players. But it has definitely stepped up a notch. I mean, when I when I uh, flew into uh, LA, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago at customs, it was insane. I'm pretty much half the the queue, and it was a big fucking queue. It took me about an hour to clear. Well, about a third of the people were wearing masks. Everybody working there was wearing masks. So you suddenly, suddenly there's, there's a film Steven Soderbergh called Contagion, where a virus takes over the world. Uh, there's lots of kind of famous actors in it, and you, you know you watch that film, you go, uh, yeah, it's all right, whatever. But I keep thinking about that film now, uh, obviously from what's yeah. been happening in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I've been I've been on um, tour in Asia before, sort of in like Hong Kong, Korea, places yeah. like that, and. I had to go through like scanners and like you know getting the people literally scanning you like with a body scanner up and down to make sure that you weren't of a certain temperature or carrying fever and stuff. I think that was when it was the SARS outbreak yeah, a, few, yeah. a few years ago. Yeah, so uh, we'll see what happens uh, there. Maybe uh, maybe we'll start to quarantine the away end when certain teams visit us. Uh, we, we, we shall see. Just want to quickly give a big shout out to the uh, My Old Man patrons who have uh, joined in the last few days. Uh, Justin Cook-Davis and Peter Bullivant, thank you very much for uh, joining. You will be receiving the extra shows this week. Uh, now I am back and the winter break is over. We will uh, be up and running with extra content. Uh, I think, first of all, will be the LA uh, interviews which I'll put out in a longer form probably there before I uh, edit them down for the main release. Please do go uh, if you want to support the show and also get access to uh, uh, new shows. I think that actually the cushion contest will be patrons only. So uh, I will put up a Patreon post about the cushion competition. Just like it if you want to enter it and you will be entered automatically and I'll uh, crack that drawer out uh, at the end of the week uh, after this uh, podcast surfaces please do go to myomansaid.com and click on the patron link and sign up there thank you very much selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
there's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right then, uh, Spurs game. Ouch. Should they have called it off? No. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to avert yeah. defeat, really. That's all I'm doing there. Well, uh, well, you know, I think we said at the end of the last show, uh, at the end of the winter break, uh, the Spurs game would show our intent going into uh, the rest of the season. I, I think all it did really was show us the full spectrum of what Villa are capable from uh, from the good and the sublime to uh, the, the utter self-destruction that we actually saw, especially the, the incident in injury time. Yeah, it was basically a microcosm of the entire season so far. Exactly, yeah. Tottenham's boss, uh, Jose Mourinho, who used to find Villa Park a terrible place to come. It took him ages until he got his first win for Chelsea. That was one of the proud things of being a villain, despite Mourinho winning titles and cups. Uh, and us being struck. crap. <laughs> And us being crap most of the time, he, uh, we managed to have his number up until uh, the, the kind of final years of his time there at Chelsea. Uh, he said after the game, I thought we deserved to win, but I think they did not deserve to lose Villa play to win. It's a bit of a conundrum, that sentence, I think. Mm-hmm. But I think, I, I don't know if they deserve to win, although Pepe Reina, I thought, had a very solid game, made some great saves. And uh, I, I definitely agree with him that we didn't deserve to lose. Yeah, I, I thought that. I thought 2 all was a fair result. I thought if you were a neutral, it was two teams who pretty much went at it. You know, Spurs yeah. clearly have end products uh, and we gifted them. You know, they got three you know, relatively lucky crap goals. You know, we made our I think we took our goals relatively well. Obviously, the own goal was well constructed. I think we earned the break. I think if Alderweire hadn't put it in, I think Samata would have probably buried it anyway. Yeah. It was just, it was just a really good game of football. You just it was one of those few times where actually you went in at half time and thought, how on earth are we losing this? Because we were played really, really well in the first half. Phil, considering the book you're reading, uh, how, how did you think uh, the game uh, played out? We started properly. I mean, Smith said against Bournemouth, um, you know, the first six seconds, whatever, told them what the way the game was going to be. And in the first minute, the, you know, the games, we started properly. We were aggressive. I mean, we've found out now that Konza's broke Son's arm in his first, you know, in the first couple <laughs> of minutes. But it was, you know, it was a fair tackle. He just put him in the ground and, you know, went out with a tenth intent we weren't what we have been accused of being the whole season which was passive so we went out to make things happen and uh, in reply Son scored two goals yeah with a broken arm horrible goals as well it's because Son's also been reading that not giving a fuck (laughs) uh, book as well oh you've broken my arm I don't give a fuck I'm going to score two goals yeah I mean but no other than that I mean we just played proper football I mean I watched the game with my wife and you know like I mean she's it's long-suffering villa like me. I, I made her that way, and yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, she, apart apart from every time drink water gets the ball, she swears and makes horrible noises. Um, she just says, you know, they're playing really well. They play really good football this season, and then she just then obviously we'll let a goal in, and she just looks at me and says, "Why? Why again?" And I'm like, yeah, why, I know. Phil, why? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, possession-wise, uh, we, I mean, it was a, one of the rare games that we actually had more possession, of uh, 54% than the opposition. And uh, shot-wise, uh, that statistic shows you uh, what a kind of open game it was. I mean, 18 shots to uh, Spurs is 23. I mean, we only got four on target and Rayner dealt with uh, at least half of uh, the 10 that was on uh, target from Spurs. Rainer had a a great game, didn't he? Yeah, I think that justified him coming, actually. I mean, he's already shown uh, that it was a a smart move, but this uh, actually showed he's he's not like the jaded, experienced head who might be good at organising the defence. He, he, you know, he actually can uh, stop as well. No, you know, he was, he was unlucky with the penalty. I think the first goal he's not at fault for. It's, it's just flashed past him. The final goal he can't do anything about. But in terms of his distribution throughout the game, was superb, and he made some yeah. important saves in the second half. You know, especially uh, Phil. What, what do you think about this? The, the defense. I mean, when I saw the Ming, Mings wasn't playing, I thought, ah, shit. Of all the games, because I fancied we we could get something off Spurs. So I must be honest. I thought they were there for the taking. Yeah, Spurs' away record's uh, pretty shonky this season. But when you see Mings out, Engels, and then the other two have been kind of hot and cold. I mean, what's your take on the defence and, uh, you know, start the conversation about Engels' performance? Well, I mean, I just think there was a a graphic put into the Facebook group about, you know, where do teams defend? I'm I'm looking at it now because, like I said, 
commented beneath it, I'm a bit obsessed with it, uh, was Rich Foster put it into the Facebook group and it just shows that Villa do most of their defending right in their penalty box. I think yeah. that's that's telling the story. I mean, compared to Liverpool who are defending from the front, I just think Villa's defenders, I mean, Engels made that mistake at the end. I mean, I don't know what he was trying to do. I mean, you have to look at it. If he is successful and he traps that ball, why is he trapping it? Because then you're going exactly. to have you're going to have Son breathing down his neck to take it off his feet. I mean, it, it just with his, has to with go. his broken arm. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, I think the problem with the defense is they're getting tested far too much. I mean, it's it's law of average. It's like the the Liverpool game. You said all those crosses diagonally into the box. The law of averages. Yeah. Eventually, it's going to break, and it's the same with the defense. I mean, they'll deal with you know seven, eight balls into the box very well, and then it'll be the ninth and it'll be the tenth when something will happen. Because yeah. if it if it wasn't Engel's mistake that led to the winner for Spurs, it could have been Bastons when he came on. It could have been any number of them in the last you know twenty minutes. I mean, the campus block from from Bastons was brilliant. Or one from that mistake. Do you think that it's a matter of Dean Smith is trying to ingrain the philosophy of playing it out the back? So that's the first thing that comes into a Villa defender's mind when a ball comes to him because Engels volleys that away, or if he just attacks it, 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 he wins that ball and you know and it flies up the pitch. Okay, people may you know start saying you know he's lumping it or whatever, but in the time that he's doing it, it's in injury time. You know who who gives a fuck? But we've seen it time and time again. This this kind of little split second of indecision. Where should I play this out when normally somebody would just be safety first, you know, and boot it? Do you think that plays uh, into this this kind of indecision of being told to play uh, a certain way, like play it out the back rather than the safety first? You know, if in doubt, give it a clout. I think it's a bit of like whether it's confidence, belief. Um, it's probably a number of factors. But as you said, in that particular moment, it's like even if he makes contact with the ball. He probably sort of bobbles away from him. No, no yeah. one scores. You've got time to react. But the fact that he's just, it ends up being a perfect through ball because he doesn't even make contact. But if yeah. you smash it back, because literally just before that, it was Louise, wasn't it? It had smashed, smashed through their player on the touchline, deservedly got a yellow for it. He took one for the team. But Villa defended a free kick on the corner of their penalty area, got it out. And you thought at that point, right, we've probably weathered the storm here. Yeah, yeah. And then to kind of, you know, have a long ball go into the Tottenham half. You think, right, we should be all right. What with one clearance, yet again, how many times have we said that this season? It's just another infuriating moment on the list of avoidable goals. It's on the same list for me as throwing the game away at Arsenal. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure uh, a more patient man than me could sit down and work out where we would be if we nullified these, like, I mean, and I'm talking about glaring what you'd really class school, ones. schoolboy error mistakes because we've shown that we can compete with any team. We just shoot ourselves in the foot. I mean, even against Leicester in the semi-final, we 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 gave another you know glaring goal away. Which normally, if you're giving goals away in the semi-final, it's going to cost you. But we managed to even you know even uh, see that one out. I'm talking about the uh, equaliser in the first leg. Yep. So we're good enough to win, but we can't give away. I mean, two in a game, giving away a penalty I mean, we, we and just, that. We, yeah, we haven't been able to put 90 minutes together against a half-decent side all season. You know, we beat Newcastle. We, you know, that game was won at half-time in reality. Yeah. Um, some of the cup games we were very comfortable in, but... Against nobody teams, though. Like, yeah, yeah, we're exactly. Secondary, and, second, and we were a second, second string, string as well. Yeah. Uh, the, VAR, the VAR situation, uh, Chris, what did you think about that? The penalty. Um, see, I actually disagreed with Smith's view after the game because from where I sit, I'm behind, obviously behind the goal of the whole tent. As soon as the tackle's gone in, I've thought that's a penalty. Yeah, because you could just see the angle of where he's come from. He's he's come straight through the man. Has he got the ball? Well, yeah, eventually, but he's taken enough of the man that it's one of those decisions. Unfortunately, that if the shoe's on the other foot, if that goes against Villa, you'd be raging if that wasn't yeah. given. Unfortunately. He's unlucky. He's very unlucky, and I think in Smith's yeah. view, that you know, is it clear and obvious? Well, it's not clear and obvious, but it's borderline enough that it is a penalty. But this is a, an incident that VAR exists for, but it shouldn't take that. For, you know, it took so long. Surely, if they're going to call it up in his earpiece, that means they're pretty decided. They've seen it. They've seen something there, and they yeah. should probably play it once more, and they should see it. Well, you can have you can have two quick looks from different angles. That's probably exactly. thirty seconds, and and it's. Uh, or, or the referee goes over to the monitor and he could probably do that in the same time it start. you know, it, it took them to uh, fanny around. 
Yeah, well, it just it means the refs can bottle the decisions. They don't have to make a decision now. It's like, well, I've got somebody upstairs looking out for me. I'll be fine. But they need to speed up that process because that is one of the big things. Because, you know, people say, oh, scrap, scrap VAR, scrap VAR. And you suddenly get in a situation where you'll get dodgy decisions all the time and there's no way around it. And there's going to be injustice after injustice because people will see the reality on TV of whether a decision should be allowed or not, because they'll see, you know, infinite amount of replays very quickly after the incident. So I still don't understand where you, if you can watch a game on TV and see so many replays quickly, and the decision is obvious to the viewer, you know, within, you know, we're talking 10 seconds, when it takes, we're talking minutes now for them to uh, come to a conclusion. I mean, Phil, do you think uh, that is key to VAR to actually uh, have have a place in the game. Yeah, it is. I mean, what are they doing at Stockley Park? I mean, are the are they not watching the match? Are the screens all blank and all of a sudden it's like a siren goes off and it's like... <laughs> Can you, you know, imagine? They're playing, the, they're playing poker. They're playing poker or looking at Pornhub and, and then the yeah. siren goes off. Oh, shit. Cards down. Yeah. Stub cigarettes out. Yeah. <laughs> Quick swig of whiskey and then onto the, uh, the remote uh, to rewind it. Let's pull straws. Sorry, sorry, Phil. No, but I mean, I mean, I don't know. Other than getting rid of Stockley Park and just having the referee go to the manager, or sorry, over to the monitor and to have the a look manager. at it. Yeah, well, yeah, what do you think, Dino? No, <laughs> yeah. all right. Then. Yeah, um, or radically having you know a group of referees from a different country doing the VAR or something like that, just because you'll about get the, the potential for being lost in translation. Oh, it, it, it couldn't be any worse. <laughs> I mean. I just don't know how they've made such a mess of the implementation of VAR. I don't know how they fix it. I really don't. Because well, I, I think strip it back because I think it needs to be there for the fundamentals, but also I think it should be perhaps on the on the referee's discretion. Certainly, this clear and obvious. I mean, if it's if it's the fifty fifty thing, then they shouldn't they shouldn't be beeping the ref. If though the ref wants a bit of clarification, then he can call for a video replay, I think, rather than yeah. like on a 50-50 kind of buzzing him saying, oh no, let's look back, let's do VAR on this. That should be up to the ref's uh, discretion. And then also just speed up the bloody process. Because as I said, you know, when you're watching a live TV game and you've got those replays uh, pretty instantly from different angles, you can pretty much tell on, on the majority. I mean, you obviously you get some decisions that are a bit 50-50. Yeah, uh, imagine, it was com- yeah. imagine it was completely down to the referee the whole time. I mean, even a throw-in, you know, when the linesman leaves his flag in the middle saying, I don't know, ref, I didn't see it. The ref just goes, oh, give us 10 seconds. Yep, that way. Or the the number of corners that Jack didn't get from deflecting shots off Spurs players. I mean, they were yeah. all obvious. And this is the thing, if there is an obvious thing, that should be when VAR whispers in his ear. Like, if he gives a decision and it's 100% obvious, as in the clear and obvious, then they should buzz him. But if it's like mm, 50-50 and they need more than like, you know, they need over a minute to look at it, then they shouldn't have been doing it. It's like, if it's not obvious, but it's wrong, then, you know, it's, you know, that's that's where the mistake is. But if it's super, super obvious, then they should be buzzing him and, and, that, and only buzzing him then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, uh, it was one of those, I think a few people in the ground thought, oh, this is bullshit because of the delay, because that penalty was actually given a little while after the uh, actual incident. And then obviously the process of uh, determining it, that's when a frustration kind of grows. Well, that's why the fans are singing it's not football anymore. It's just the frustration yeah. for everyone. If, if fans can see it on the, you know, on the, on the screens, it's just it's just the implementation in general a lack of communication yeah and i think a lot of it is down to the premier league and mike riley being arrogant and how they implemented it they wanted to be the best in the world and they had these ideas of changing the uh the interpretation of laws and they tried to be clever with it and it's all backfired because you know for example la liga runs var and it's not a big issue for supporters. You get the odd incident here and there, but it's not like this uh, universal complaint that every fan is, you know, is, and it's in the press everywhere. It's 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 barely an issue. So that shows well, every, you that the, every weekend there's at least one big decision that's fucked up. Yeah, in in per game, pretty much. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> And this is the Premier League just not applying it and also Mike Riley and his team thinking, uh, you know, they're going to reinvent the wheel and do something clever and it's all backfired. And uh, as we've mentioned before, you know, he's on a quarter of a million pounds to uh, spearhead this and uh, it's it's beyond the joke now but they actually you know initially in the first meetings with you know supporter reps in the premier league uh, their stance was well you know this is something that 
people have got to get adjust to supporters have got to adjust to and it was pretty patronizing because they didn't think they were wrong in any shape or form i mean i remember even personally uh, i mean let's say he, he really wanted to swear when he was talking about certain individuals and var and uh, you know he was the one accusing them of arrogance which i think was shared by uh, all, all clubs having to sit through their presentation and uh, them literally just saying uh, well you know once you get used to it it'll be all right yeah and it even it even affected the the penalty save because i mean if you're a defender you can't encroach i mean you, you shouldn't be encroaching anyway but you're you're like a, another step behind you're like another half second so you yeah. know the, the ball just popped out perfectly for some to tuck away up from rain save and you know he's always going to be first to it yeah the interesting thing with penalties as well i've I've always thought they can give an offside decision by like millimeters yet they don't pull up goalkeepers for stepping a millimeter off their goal line or someone encroaching by a millimeter you'd end up taking like years to take a penalty for someone stepping slightly over the lines it's like yeah yeah. you know what about this on the handball is it intention is that is that the uh how they decided what yeah, happens if it's to do with it's body shapes and silhouettes and stuff isn't what, it what what happens if son handballed it to control that rebound and then put it away and the ref said oh, you can't do that it's intentional handball he said no it's not my arm's broken how can it be intentional <laughs> yeah in theory so actually it's not my arm because it's in two <laughs> it's in two pieces it's which, it, which yeah. one i have no control of this arm so how can it be intentional it's broken Anyway, that's yep. that's a hypothetical uh, hypothetical point. But it was just another little break that went against Philly. You know, Rainer had a good game, but he just couldn't get the breaks either. But you were, but you earned them, unfortunately. And of, of course, of course, Son will be out for the rest of the season. But he still managed to play and score two goals against Villa uh, with the same broken arm that's going to keep him out for the rest of the season. That is the world of Villa, ladies and gentlemen. It is and indeed. We, we know it all too well. Even though Engels did score our first headed goal in the league this year. Well, Samata scored one, though, against Bournemouth, did he not? Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, so he did. First so he did. From a corner. Yeah. We've we broken the hoodoo. First goal from a set. Was it a first header from a set piece? It was some We're very on a roll. crappy We're on a, stat. We're on a roll with the old headers. Right, any uh, closing thoughts about, uh, well, not only the game, but also our situation? I mean, the good news is we somehow uh, have avoided the bottom three. I mean, is that potentially positive? It staggers me. It shows how sh- it shows how shit the bottom of the league is, really, and we're part of that club. In terms of psychology, uh, I think it's uh, a big plus. But uh, going up against the Saints now, uh, a team that just steamrolled through us last time we played. Well, we have to see it as an opportunity, man, because th- there's a lot of teams down at the bottom. have got some pretty difficult games yeah. on the same game week. Relatively speaking, we've got what would be classed as one of the slightly easier on paper games. I think they'll have to go there and make a bit of a statement, especially with the week after, of course. While it's a nice distraction to have, having a, you know, a cup final, the reality is if we don't get a result this weekend, we're probably going to go in the bottom three anyway. Either way, yeah. we're probably going to end up in the bottom three of the week after and being a game behind because yeah. we've missed that Sheffield United game. Phil, what do you what do you think about the Southampton game? I mean, the good news is uh, Mane doesn't play for Southampton because I remember going to Southampton and them yeah. absolutely destroying us uh, under Sherwood, and that just was before a be- cup final as well. Just mm-hmm. before a cup final, exactly. Wasn't it like a five minute hat trick or something as well? It was yeah, ridiculous, wasn't it? By the time it took me, because I wasn't at the game, uh, I was in Nottingham, and by the time it took me to order a drink at the bar, I think he'd scored a hat trick. And the strangest day, because didn't we lose 6-1 and somehow we still managed to retain our Premier League status that day as well? We're baffling. It was kind of job done at that stage. We'd, we'd done the hard yards. But as uh, Phil alludes to, it was before a cup final. And that, I mean, that to me, I thought it that just fucked us for that, mentally for that cup yeah. final. It didn't No, help. I mean, I, I'm, I'd lie if I said I wasn't worried about... Um, Ings and Shane Long. I mean, they're they're just the two running into spaces are sort of kryptonite. If they knock it past one of our centre backs and get round them, you know, yeah. either or of them. I mean, we're yeah. Would I think we might need some sort of change? I mean, that's what Dean Smith's paid for, and I'm not. I, I mean, other people online will tell you the exact change that you need to make, but you know, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Other than you know, don't play a high line. That's as simple as I can think. I think yeah. it's having mobility as well. Um, I think the back three will change. I'm interested to see with Ming's back who drops out because somebody ultimately will. And I, w- I wonder if it might be Konza or Hawes and, wh- and whether he will persevere with Engels knowing that, you know what, give, give me a response. Because actually earlier in the season, him and Mings did play reasonably well together. 
As a two, I thought they were pretty good. Yeah, I yeah, mean they, okay. they were they were just uh, I mean they were firefighting because we we're under so much pressure a lot of the times. But you you take yeah. their performance against Spurs in the first seventy odd minutes and they were pretty immense. Yeah, I think that the, the big the big one will be the midfield choices. You know whether he goes with uh, Drinkwater or uh, Nakamba or whether even someone like a Horahan comes in who traditionally from the start doesn't always start the best. But yeah. it will be interesting to see how he how he lines it up. Phil, what are you thinking when it comes to Danny Drinkwater? You know, I, I, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I mean, because I, against Spurs, there was, I mean, I put a comment in that it was, you know, 40% good, 60% bad, and I was still getting slated, but, you know, that's still shit. It's not, It's. I wasn't, say, I wasn't saying he was man of the match. I was saying, like, that was the, the most decent touches I've seen him have. I mean, he, in this tours, but he, he looked punctured. I mean, you know, he was completely knackered, and the... I mean, the Spurs midfield would do that to anybody, but you know, I thought again, you know, we, we did play better with him on the pitch. You know, you know, territorially, we were further up the pitch, but yeah. um, I don't know if Harahan's the answer either. Because as as much as I like him, look at the stats with him on; he, he isn't the player to um, you know shut down a game in the middle of the park. I mean, it's it's somebody we don't have. I mean, Nakamba's the terrier. Um, Douglas Louise, I actually enjoyed his performance at the the. The weekend, but he's further up the pitch. He should. He's not defensive midfielder yeah. at all. What, he should what do you be think about up. his? What do you think about his miss? I haven't missed many a, a chance like that myself over the years. Um, I thought <laughs> it happens I, to the best of you, Phil, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I thought he was. I thought he was really unlucky. I, I did. I mean, people will say, "Oh, he should have buried it. He should have done this." If you yeah. slow it, this, the advantage you have of you know. I mean, I'll get slated for not being at Villa Park every single week, but the, the advantage you have is sitting at home and seeing TV, it slowed down so much. He hit, he was leaning back. He hit the ball with his left foot. It was missing the keeper. It was going in and the defender's knee took it over the bar. I mean, it's those fine margins. You know, yeah. he, he, he did as well as he could. The only other thing he could have did was, you know, stop it with his left foot, let everybody fall over to that side and then just pass it into the empty net. But, you know. He's not he's not on your level now, is he? Ah, <laughs> wrong foot. <laughs> No, what but were I, your, I thought, what I thought were your thoughts unlucky. on uh, on Samata's performance? Because I was actually encouraged again watching him. I thought he really put himself about well. I thought he was mobile, a very willing runner, and you you, you could really see he's got a bit of heart and a bit of personality as a player that he, he will put a shift in. He, you know, even yeah. if he has a quiet game, and it's it can be difficult leading the line on your own. I I, th- I think he's one of those players he really wants to get stuck in. Yeah, you could tell even from his like his first game against. Leicester in the cup you think yeah he's, he's all right he knows what he's doing and uh, you know that we're talking about he'd only been with the club for like a you know he had a week's training or whatever but subsequently I think he, he, he is a striker who gets into the uh, you know gets into positions that can hurt the opposition and he, he reads the game pretty well from what I've seen so far I think he just yeah. wants to score goals he wants yeah. to be in the penalty area and that's one thing that the fans have sort of you know, fairly or not criticised you know Wesley have been you know at least uh, you know Abraham he would he'd get in the six yard box he'd be in the penalty area he's, he's, he's on the end of things you'd find Wesley out on the wing and while you know Samata's a willing runner he will just get in the box he wants to score strikers goals like the you know the goal is at that Bournemouth. Wesley who costs the same amount as what Dortmund paid for Erling Haaland uh, yeah yeah uh, so, uh, what about the other new guy up front came on for 10 minutes cameo you can't really say anything about him but uh any impressions whatsoever? Not Bill? really. Bill? No, other than he, he nearly made a an absolute howler. It was nearly as bad as Engels, but yeah. Nakamba bailed him out. I think he, he's an interesting signing because you know you just saw with the with the trouble that United were having bringing in a forward with the trouble that you know Chelsea had getting somebody in before the let Giroud go. I mean, there there was no there was nobody about in that transfer window. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I heard a story that um, John Terry gave Solomon Clue a ring, but um, Villa couldn't get a, a work permit worked out for him. There was no way to bring him in. So, right. you know, we might say they were inactive, Villa, but there's all these things to, to look at. Whenever you're getting the work permit, they have to be in the, you know, the top yeah. so many earners of the team and things. So it's it's not as easy as just, you know, clicking a button and buying that. The one thing I will say about Samara is um, if he only costs 10 million and we've been scouting him, why wasn't he the, the the extra striker in August? Or yeah, that's know, that's the strange that's thing. That's the killer. 
because he surely would have come. I mean, I don't don't understand why he would say, oh, just give me another year in the Belgium League, boys, and I'll be on my way. doesn't make that much sense unless, I mean, there was interest from other clubs, so maybe uh, Ghent were like holding out, holding out, and then in the end, nothing came through. And, uh, you know, they just thought, well, in, we'll wait until the next winter or, you know, the next summer. Yeah, but you no, know, he looks, you know, very good signing and hopefully he does the business. I'd, I'd be interested to see him up front with Davis as a two or, you know, further down the line with as Wesley as a, as a two. Because I think actually regardless of where, whatever league we end up in next season, I would imagine those two forward players are still going to be at the club. Yeah. Be interesting to know what their contracts are and how many of those players have, you know, is it part of the... It's not, it's not part of the plan, obviously, but is it the contingency plan? It's like, right, you're coming into Villa. This is a, you know, a five-year project, another one of those. Um, we might go down, but we'll come straight back up because you're staying. You know, obviously yeah. not Jack, but other players. I couldn't, I mean, there was some uh, Villa website that wrote something about uh, Baston. I mean, I, I just quickly skimmed it and, and basically saying, oh, we hope this isn't indicative of how he's going to be at Villa and spending a whole you know lengthy article analyzing this 10 minutes appearance and saying this reminded them of Codger coming on against Liverpool and you're just thinking uh it's his first game <laughs> he's he's hardly played if the ball bounced off his ass and went in and that was his only touch they'd be saying what an inspired signing he was uh, by Smith and Suso so uh, you, you can't really judge any which way uh, after just 10 minutes and it's just a bit kind of negative to kick him already, get the agenda rolling on the uh, the scapegoat. I mean, the, the reality is with him, he's not coming here to start. And I think once Keenan Davis is back fit, which it looks like he will before probably the cup final, he may or may not make the team at Southampton. He might not even get a spot on the bench. He is here to fill in the gaps and he'll know that, but he'll, you know, he'll be getting paid reasonably well to do that. And he'll know that he yeah. has the opportunities that he may or may not get at Villa. And then he's, he'll think, well, I've got the opportunity to potentially earn myself a contract for next season, whatever whatever league Villa are in. Yeah, and I think that's how his short-term contract is structured. Uh, same, as, pre- same as Drinkwater, really. Drinkwater yeah. is playing for his future. He will yeah. know that. It's not, you know, he, you know he, he came in for criticism, obviously, on Sunday, and he did some things some things reasonably well and some things less so. But ultimately, if he, if he hasn't got the legs at the moment, and I, I never really thought he was a rapid, mobile player anyway. He was always no, a kind of not. tidy, keep it ticking over kind of player. And Yeah. One thing that that still just is just glaring about Villa is the sheer level that we miss McGinn. Yeah, but you've got to remember people He's were back saying soon that, and we'll be fine. You've got to remember that people were saying, "Oh, he needs a rest. He's look, he's not the player he used to be. He needs a rest. He needs a rest. He needs a rest." So uh, he's well, he's having a rest now. <laughs> he had what he's had it forced upon him, and while he's been you know having his rest, he's been doing videos with the uh, future king. Yeah. Princey Williams. Picking out his favourite Villa players and talking about mental health charities and such. So apparently he's back running in the swimming pool. He's been on the, you know, there was it the G Force treadmill and stuff. So they expect to have him potentially out on the grass within the next week or two. I know Smith's already said there is a very outside chance that McGinn will want to feature in the cup final. I don't see it personally. I don't think no, Smith, for, for the greater good of the season, you wouldn't risk him. No. I mean, stranger things have happened, but I would, I would highly doubt it. It wouldn't be worth yeah. the risk. I think you're getting people's hopes up there. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, subtle things we don't give a fuck about. What are you saying? Storm, De- Storm Dennis. Yeah, I was I was trying to put back my flight because it's Storm Dennis and uh, there was nothing there when we flew into uh, Heathrow, so I don't know what the fuss was about there. Flood, um, well, Aston State, uh, sorry, uh, Witten Station was shut because the Brookvale Road was flooding after the Tame burst its banks. and uh, Yeah. Thoroughly unpleasant drive to Villa Park on that day. Things you subtle things you don't give a fuck about, uh, Phil. Well, I've already mentioned Douglas Louise's miss because I think that was harsh. Um, yeah, I think another subtle thing don't give a fuck about anymore is our fullbacks because um, if one section of the team has jailed, it's it seems to be Target and Gilbert now because they've yeah. especially Target and Jack they've they've struck up a, a partnership out there on that side. Yeah. Some of mm-hmm. the some of target statistics are actually some of the best in the league in terms of his balls into the box, and he's, he's actually like he's comparable with some of the best in the league. But they know yeah. each other from English youth level. Yeah, they? They, they they came up together. They're a similar age, aren't they? Yeah. Another thing I don't give a fuck about a, a retro Kappa kits. <laughs> what all that was about? I, yeah, at ninety pound a pop. I think. I think, I think that's uh, Kappa's retro as opposed to anything to do with Villa. Yeah, really, isn't well, it? yeah. There's anyway, more merchandise I won't be buying. Well, you don't buy merchandise anyway. So no, I don't. There you go. 
Right. Anyway, let's get out of here. We have uh, the trip to the Saints uh, to look forward to and the cup final as the next two games. Before that, uh, expect to have uh, the My Own Man Said podcast LA sessions where we talk to uh, a couple of villains who uh, live in uh, the City of Angels, as uh, they call it. Anyway, let's uh, get out of here. Do follow the podcast on uh, Twitter and all the other places that you listen to it uh, to make sure you are notified when new shows drop because uh, we we don't normally have a regular date, although we'll be a bit more regular now. uh, So it's good to have notifications so you know uh, when it appears. Also, uh, treat yourself to a My Old Man Said mug to help support the show and so you can have a beverage while you listen to it there's also t-shirts i might sneak out an extra t-shirt just to have fun at manchester city at wembley that those hopefully will be out this week so there's time for you to obviously get them delivered for the big day right until next time stay decent and it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans